Hello and welcome to Leave Your Mark. I'm your host, Scott Livingston, and this is where I explore the influences that have shaped the lives of our incredible guests. These are the stories of lives worth talking about. Follow me on Twitter at Built by Scott and Instagram at King O'Pain, or link up with me on my Facebook fan page, Scott G. Livingston. My goal is to empower and inspire a community of people who take every opportunity to live a high-performing life. Before I get started on today's podcast, I want to take a moment to connect you with my sponsor, ReconditioningHQ.com. Reconditioning is about helping you capture the power of therapeutic practice and performance practice in one integrated system. More and more today, reconditioning professionals are becoming sought after in human performance environments everywhere. The R-Pro series is a four-step process to becoming a reconditioning professional. The first two are completely online, so you can get started immediately from the comfort of your own home. R1 Foundations is about you learning the building blocks of assessing and improving functional movement. R2 Designs is empowering the process even further, so you can assess and improve any human movement and integrate your work into performance programming. The R3 Collab is about you experiencing the full power of the process in a living lab, troubleshooting your issues, fixing your problems in real time, and gaining real confidence. The R4 Mentorship is about exposing your knowledge, refining your approach, and learning through a powerful feedback process so you can be the reconditioning professional everyone wants to work with. For more information on all our course offerings, including our landmark personal development program, Empower You, please check out Reconditioning HQ dot com today and use the coupon code LYM50 for $50 off any one of our course offerings. I'm excited to have my friend Brad Thorpe and his company Isofit involved with the Leave Your Mark podcast. His mission is the same as mine, helping human beings live better lives. He doesn't want to see you let an injury force your retirement from the sport or activity you love. For decades, physiotherapists, athletic therapists, and chiropractors have recommended isometric strength training to help speed up rehabilitation from injury and included it in return to sport protocols. I know I use it often in my own reconditioning process. Whether you're goal is performance enhancement, injury prevention, or injury recovery, the all-new Isofit MSK takes athletes from the therapy room to the podium. To learn more, visit www.isofit, that's isofit with a P-H-I-T-M-S-K.ca, and remember to use the discount code Leave Your Mark. three separate words to save $500 off your Isofit MSK purchase. I want to thank Greg Lawler and Matrix Fitness for being a long-standing sponsor of the Leave Your Mark podcast. Matrix is indeed leaving a mark on the fitness and performance industry today. In the last 20 years, Matrix has become a global brand that employs over 7,000 people worldwide and delivers over 500 products catering to the medical, fitness, and athletic performance markets. Matrix has a wide range of programming solutions, and they are dedicated to creating deeper partnerships with their customers everywhere. Matrix has many ways of making a relationship work for you, the customer, and offers rental and various financial incentives to assist the financial constraints of adding premium equipment during this time of inconsistent revenue. For more information and free consultation, go to teamupwithmatrix.com forward slash CA. That's teamupwithmatrix.com forward slash CA today. 
Hello and welcome to Leave Your Mark. This is Scott Livingston, and today I am pleased to be speaking with an old university friend, John McDonald. Johnny has spent the last 25 plus years as a stuntman in the film industry. I met John as a linebacker for the Concordia University football team many moons ago, and our paths never crossed after he left the school. We rediscovered each other on Facebook and rekindled a friendship. Johnny Mack was a hard, charging football player, intense and physical. It's no surprise to me that he made a career as a stuntman in the movies. Movies like The Incredible Hulk, X-Men, White House Down, Total Recall, Man of Steel, and the TV series like DC Legends of Tomorrow and Prison Break and 12 Monkeys are amongst the many credits of his career. I thought his story and the physical demands of the business and the balance of his macho career and his role as a father he cherishes deeply would be an interesting journey to discuss. I'm honored to have him on the show today. Welcome, Johnny Mac. Thank you, Scott. Yeah. It's, How are you? Uh, How are you? I'm good. Yeah. I mean, uh, this is my little uh, media world that I sort of dove into in the last three uh, three years or so. Uh, I tell the story to some people, and you probably would find it interesting, is when I was a kid, I'd, I wanted to be a broadcaster. I wanted to be Phil Donahue, if you remember back in the day. Oh, yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that was kind of my or a radio DJ and and I and I actually applied to Algonquin College in Ottawa. My father basically said, You can't go to college, you gotta get a university degree. And that's how I ended up at Concordia. And uh so slowly found my way to being a therapist and strength coach is where our paths crossed and never really dove into the broadcasting thing that I like to do. So three, four years ago I started this podcast and it's a real passion of mine and it gets me the opportunity to meet and talk to guys like you so thanks for coming on oh no thanks for having me i appreciate it yeah so you know for the listener the reason why i wanted to have you on uh, other than just uh, the selfish desire to reconnect and see you is uh i think your story you know most of the people listen to my podcast are in the human performance industry and you were an exceptional football player back in your day uh, i remember you like i said as a really intense guy who took took the game seriously um you know Let's go back before that, because I probably didn't know your your life story before you got in Concordia. But what? How does football begin to be a part of your life, and and how does it sort of metamorphosize into you coming to Concordia and playing at Concordia? I got involved in football. Like, well, I went. When, my, my, my one of my cousins in, who lived who lived, grew up in Glendale, California, played high school football. And when I was visiting one time, my mother and I went to one of his games on a Friday night. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. Well, high school football in California is kind of pretty big, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I just was about to go to high school. And I once I went to high school, because of my cousin, I got involved with football. And then uh, I grew up playing football like uh, in the area of Montreal, West Island. And then played for the North, North Shore system, North Shore Bronco, Broncos, Mustangs and everything. And then I ended up getting a scholarship to go to a small school in Kansas and then after two years, I gave my scholarship up because my mother, my mother was uh, diagnosed with cancer. So I want, that's why I went to Concordia. I wanted to come home and live at home. And mm. so I ended up, that's how I ended up at Concordia. Oh, I never knew that story. Well, I knew you played in the States. Probably did know it, uh, but have, have long since sort of put it in a back memory bank. But um what what you know i like to get into sort of the depth of those things what was that sacrifice like when you look back on it for yourself i mean do you do you have any regrets in in having done that obviously you did it for your mom and that that was no. uh, an important thing so it was it was important to you but uh if you look not back, a, no no regrets at all at all yeah. um well when when we're well, i was at concordia with you in 93 that's when my, my mother passed away 
mm-hmm. during uh, just before our playoff run of that year. And so I have no regrets. I got to be with her towards the end and no regrets. I would have regretted not doing it mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. And how did playing football uh, at the university shape you? Like what, how did it inform you in the rest of your life afterwards? Well, she, I got to learn, like, basically the discipline like of, of, of the game of football. And, all, well, you remember Coach Chris Amalis and Coach Ian? Mm-hmm. They're very, I respect them very much, but they taught me discipline. And I also had to manage my time like, mm-hmm. playing playing football plus full course load plus family plus everything. So they taught me, that's what it taught me for life. Mm-hmm. It's, it's sacrifice and discipline. Hmm. Was there ever a time when you were uh, playing football um, that you, you considered leaving it uh, because it was too hard or it was, uh, you know, not, not too hard. No, I actually thought of one time leaving, uh, leaving Concordia and going to the bishop, the bishops, but <laughs> I ended up, ended up, I ended up staying because, well, you remember chess and Luke Pelé and those guys, just, I cared about them too much. I cared about my teammates too much to leave. Mm-hmm. So, and plus, Coach Chris Amalis, I'm still in touch with him all the time now, too. So, What's your best memory of playing at Concordia? Oh, gosh. I have so many good memories. But I, I think just the defensive huddle, hang, just, <laughs> just, just, just talking smack and having fun and t- with, with, with Luke and Chess playing. Chess was always right next to me. Luke was right behind me kind of thing. I just yeah. had bond. Like, just, the guys were really great. Like, you know, maybe Cookie Norris, everybody was just really cool. So, <laughs> that was a, a lot, of good, lot of good memories. Not so much of, of practice, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a couple of great teams. Some really talented athletes were there at uh, that time. Really so, yeah. good guys. And re- now, like, we're really good fathers and husbands and everything. Like, you know, like... Well, look at Paul Chester, what he's done in his career, right? Yeah. You know, he's, so it's great. So tell me the story of, uh, you know, you go to school and you finish school. How do you, how do you, what happens when you finish school? Where, where do you go from there? And, and how does your life circuitously grow from at that point? Well, when I graduated, uh, I had a couple job offers, but it didn't really pan out. And I just, I was still living at home in Montreal. And um, one of my father's friends was visiting and he had a, he had a, he, he was a president of a company and he just said, he goes, yeah, you ever, cause I, all my jobs are always in the garment business and clothing business. So he said, Hey, do you, you want to, like, he interviewed me a few, few things. He had an entry level position in his, in his company and ended up moving me out to Vancouver. So mm. that's, that's, uh, I, I lucked into that. And then I don't know if you remember a, a person named Mike Dope, but he played football in North mm. shore, but he, he also played in the CFL and he applied to Southern Illinois university. He was my best friend growing up. So I ran into him in Vancouver, in, in West Vancouver, actually. And we ended up moving in together, and he's aspiring to be an actor, and he is an actor now. So he's been doing it for almost 30 years. And that's how I got involved in my, in my business. Hmm. Literally, he, he was a- acting on X-Files, and he invited me to set. I met the stunt coordinator, and literally I fell into my job. It was just <laughs> one of those things. Like he was, <laughs> It was almost like meant to be. <laughs> So how does somebody become a stunt man? Like what is, like, it's kind of, I'm really curious because it's not your average job that somebody would say, oh, you know what? I aspire to be a stunt man or, uh, you know, I, I have the right acumen for like what, what, what creates an interest slash. And then how do you know you can even do that? Oh gosh. I, there's, there's so many different, I, I, well, I know hundreds and hundreds of stunt performers, men, women, everybody has a different background, how they got there. Like, you know, some, some people were 
performers at Cirque du Soleil and the, their talent just transfers perfectly to being a stunt performer. You know, then there's athletes such as myself, martial artists, gymnasts, like a, a friend of a friend of mine, Daryl, he, he used to compete for Canada on the trampoline and you see this guy in the air is unbelievable, but everybody's got different backgrounds. And mm. for me, it was just, I was a, a decent athlete and I don't mind hitting the ground. So <laughs> <laughs> that's, I made I made a name for myself as a ground pounder, and I get, that's how I got all of the good practical stunts, you know. And okay, hence why I'm, it's been three and a half years that haven't worked because I just had two surgeries. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell me about that. Like uh, for the not, for the listener, a lot of people don't really know the industry, but are there certain certain roles or positions that you take almost like a football team that you would only do this kind of role as a stuntman, or you would do other kinds of roles based on your physical acumen or interest or capacity. Yeah. There's some people specialize. Like we, I I know a lot of, a lot of really good drivers, Mm -hmm. precision drivers, stunt drivers, whatever you want to call them. And they're amazing, but they're limited only driving some of them. Some of them are limited only fighting skills. I just was taught earlier by my mentor, long time ago that you want to get good at everything not no, you're known for certain things but you want to get good at everything so that way you can you can actually work a lot more and mm. hence make more money mm. but i guess i don't know everybody has different backgrounds so but to me the, the, a lot of the good stunt guys are former really good athletes like mm-hmm. well i don't know if you remember tom tommy europe he, he played a bish against mm-hmm. us in 91 then he went up went to the new Orleans saints for a bit and the cfl he's one of the top amazing stuntmen right now. He lives in Vancouver. Mm. So how do you like inform yourself to, to do things as you go along? Is it kind of like <clears throat> we have this stunt, you have to do this. And so you go out and train yourself to do it. Like how, how do you start to get the different acumens, say martial arts as an example, or driving? Do you go, okay, I'm going to take a course. I'm going to learn this. So this yeah, becomes an acumen. Yes, take a, there's a lot of good courses in, in L.A. you take. And then also, I had uh, more veteran stunt guys also in, when I was in, living in Vancouver that I'd literally go, I'd go to Avis, rent the car. We, we'd go sliding it and learning how to do certain things with it. And you always have to learn. Like uh, in Twasin is a part of Vancouver. We, I'd go do, learn gymnastics and everything from certain people. Like some, some guys that are really good fight guys show me how to do some fights. You're always learning. Even now, mm-hmm. you, you have to learn. You always have to get better at your craft. Mm-hmm. Right, so you're always learning, and it's, 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 you're always training. So, what was the first job you had? What did, what did you have to do? First, oh my gosh, first job it was it was just this, a very basic thing on a movie called Deep Rising. Just uh, a sequence when the the giant squid grabs it, grabs the ship, and all mayhem happens in, in a ballroom. Basically, just people doing high falls, like getting ratcheted out of the way. And I was just sitting 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 in a bar, pretending to have a drink, and just, I just basically just throw myself to the ground and that's basically it wow and what's the most what is the most difficult one you've ever had to do oh god it's it's so funny being buried alive (laughs) really wow yeah i'm not a fan i'm kind of kind of claustrophobic so it's kind of a a mind uh mind over matter kind of thing but basically they they put me in in a box in the ground um, put dirt all over my chest and everything, and wrap me in in in, uh, in a tarp, and then put all the soil on top of my head. That oh, wow. that that was actually that was one that I didn't like the most. You know, <laughs> being on fire, things like doing forty foot falls, fifty foot falls. That does that stuff doesn't bother me. That bothered me. <laughs> Is there ever ever been time or times when you're gonna go? No, that's not 
I'm not doing that, or that's impossible. That's in, that's insane. <laughs> well, does the well the, a lot of times when when a coordinator calls you to hire you or now texting you like, hey, this is what it is. It's like things like driving a motorcycle. I can drive a motorcycle, but at a high certain high speeds and everything. I'm like, no, I'm not your guy. Like you, you, you turn. I I'm I'm one of those guys that I'll turn the work down or I'll refer somebody else that's better than I I am at it. Right, right. That's I think to me that's the professional thing to do instead of some people take the job and don't perform properly. So. So you're a dad, and uh, you know, in this journey, um, are you are you still married now, or are you? No, no, no? I'm okay. divorced. Okay, so well, uh, I don't, you may not want to get deep into it, but it's up to you. But like, so oh, you, no, get married, the, you get married, you get married, and then you have kids. Like, what, how does that all go down? And then how do you balance that or not balance it? Obviously, with the work that you're doing. Well, I got married in the, in 2006, and my kids were born 2008. I have twins, boy, girl. And once they were born, like all the parents, like, oh, you're going to turn these jobs down, turn these jobs. I still did all my same jobs and everything. The only thing is the travel. Mm. I was I'm one of the fortunate guys that I got to go like in different places in the world. And then for three years, I was living here in Toronto, but I was working in Vancouver on, like you mentioned, Legends of Tomorrow, a couple seasons, and, and right in the middle was Prison Break. Mm. that I was working in Vancouver and also Morocco. Uh, my, but my, my kids said, Dad, we're tired of you flying back and forth. We, we miss you too much. And then I, I, I was helping coach my son's teams and stuff and then uh, missing some dance recitals my daughter was doing and stuff. So I yeah, she said, we would rather you stay home and work. And, I, and so that's why I left Legends. And I was, double, I was Dominic Purcell's personal stunt double and he understood. He's a father. He's got four kids. And he's like, no problem. Like I was tired of literally... Well, you you worked in NHL. You traveled like crazy, right? Mm-hmm. And I got tired of being on a plane, like on a Sunday night or Monday morning, and coming back on the red ice Fridays. I was just tired of it. Mm-hmm. So. Well, that sort of leads me into a lot of um, a lot of people. You you asked me how you know how was the NHL and stuff and pro sports or whether movies etc there's always what the 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 person who watches it sees which is the entertainment side of things and there's the glitz and the glamour and then the back side of it there's always a you know a heavy work burden that we all sort of manage T- tell the listener you know what what is a typical day in an, in a um stuntman's life like in terms of the workload in terms of what you're trying to what you're having to do etc at a in, in a movie set that maybe people don't actually understand well every day's one one but my job is exciting every day's different right it's always some, sometimes you literally you're sitting around for 10 12 hours doing nothing you're like that's like, so why when i go to work i bring books bring because you got to do something or you're rehearsing things but it's everything every day is different like i always say to people it's a 90% sitting around, 90% sitting around, or about 80% sitting around, 15% getting ready, preparing, and 5% of, holy, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, you know, it's a good adrenaline rush. <laughs> but, you know, but when it's time to perform, it's time to perform, you know? Yeah. And have you, uh, I, I'm assuming you've hurt yourself a few times doing it just like you did in football. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. You, you, you. Just like in all all sports and everything, and if you, you work injured, right? You, right. Like I've I worked on a I worked on a movie that I had a really good role doing. Like I was playing myself as a mercenary, and first first week of shooting the movie, I was I, I had to do a car hit, and I had a cable attached to me. So once like the car clips me, I get ratcheted out of the way. 
but my, my ratchet didn't fire a couple of times. So I, I shattered all the metacarpals in my hand. Oh. So, so I had to work the rest of the movie with my left hand totally broken. All the metacarpals are broken. A couple of fingers are broken. So, and, and then when the funny thing about it is the makeup artist would have to keep putting makeup on my hand because it was swelling and all the bruising and everything. You, you'd see it. Right. So <laughs> I just had to suck up and, and then work. Yeah. And you're working with, um, you know, the idols of, of people's world. Sometimes uh, you mentioned Dom and uh, Channing Tatum. I know you've worked with, et cetera. You know, what do people that maybe misunderstand sometimes about them that you, you start to learn about everybody in the industry. Like uh, they're just human beings, just like the rest of us are. Right. Exactly. Like hundred percent, you're hundred percent right. You work with professional athletes, actors are just regular, regular, men and women and 99.9% of them I've met are super, super nice. Mm. And like just kind people, like just really nice people. Like Channing is one of the funniest dudes I've ever met. And one of the most talented, like he played the university of football in, in uh, Virginia. Like mm. he's so talented. Like he's like, I told him, I go, Hey, you should take a pay cut and become one of the top stuntmen. You know, really like he likes his money too much, I guess. <laughs> I'll pass. Yeah, exactly. Well, he, on white house down, he did a like, Every single fight sequence, except for one, because he wasn't feeling well, he did. Mm. One of them, like uh, the one uh, getting thrown around and everything, I did all that. He still wanted to do it, but he was he was sick, so he, he couldn't do it. Well, what defines was, that? What defines when you step in, you know, you're working with Dom, as you said, or you're working with uh, Channing or something, and is it a negotiation between the two of you? Um, this is something I should do or I shouldn't do, and how, how does that work? It's mostly the stunt coordinator's call. Okay. Like, And also, it's production too like they have safety mm. reps like oh he's not doing that like because he, he, he might get hurt you know because mm. and then and then if the star gets hurt production shuts down then it becomes all about money also right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so but no like sometimes like i want to do certain things yeah go ahead and do it but some things like on white house down they did a lot of forget how uh, the fall through the skylight Channing wanted to do it then he went up top he goes oh, i ain't doing that They're like no i'm doing it anyway it's just it's too dangerous for you to do it right <laughs> So just, but sometimes like I work with Jackie Chan, he's better, he's better than all his stunt doubles, (laughs) you know, the man's amazing. So, but it's, it's, what's been a project that you, uh, that you really most enjoyed working on, uh, on and why? Oh, I enjoyed a couple things. Um, I enjoyed, I I enjoyed the after tomorrow because I were, I double Jake Gyllenhaal on that and he was super nice. And plus I got to work with Roland Emmerich who also Mm -hmm. directed White House Down which was another one of my favorite projects. Uh, the Incredible Hulk was amazing because the, the cast was great. The crew was great. Uh, we, had, we, we, came, we worked so much together. You become like a family. Mm. You know, like, I work here in Toronto. With, we have such amazing... The crews are amazing in Canada, period. Mm. But like, you get to know them and you know their children's name, you know everybody. They all know my kids' names. Like on Triple X, my kids had a, a PA day and the, the production let me bring them a set. You know, they got to they, they got to meet Vin. They got to hang out. They actually went and played with, on a jumping castle with Vin's kids. It's stuff like this. It's really it's nice. It's like a whole family because everybody's work. They're all working together, right, for this common goal, right? Mm-hmm. Like White House Down in Montreal. I was there for such a long time, but we were lucky if we had a 15, 14, 15 hour day. We we're like, oh my god, it's a nice short day because we we worked hard in that movie because we had wow. to shoot Channing. Channing had to be shot out by a certain date. So we had to get all these things done. Like my last day on set was like 21 hour a day with him. It was crazy. Wow. 
that's what people think it's glamorous just like like the back of the nhl so yeah it's great it's glamorous but it's like it's hard work and you you gotta basically sacrifice time with your family too which just mm-hmm. sucks yeah it's interesting you're like i have a few friends over the years that have gone into your industry one of them uh who i interviewed for the podcast a guy named Stephen campanelli is a steady cam operator who's done a lot of work with uh, clint eastwood over the years uh actually his story was kind of interesting you probably appreciate it when i when i was at concordia he, he was going through film school and he had a dog named clint and his he called his dog clint because he loved clint eastwood and he started when he finished school he bought a steady cam this was back a long time ago when it wasn't sort of on vogue and uh, he started working and working it and eventually one day you know he got an opportunity to work with uh with clint and ever since then in his career he's basically done every film that clint does so it's pretty oh, cool. Wow, that's cool yeah yeah I, yeah i the work with mr eastwood like he's a legend like like my gosh like did, he, did your friend start working on was it for first movie unforgiven to work with no him, the or? first one he worked on was bridges of madison county i believe oh that was an awesome movie yeah yeah i, like, I enjoyed that movie I like, I like every one of his movies like like el, 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 el torino whatever like i just mm-hmm. i just watched that the last weekend <laughs> the guy's a legend that's so hey steady cam guys too they work hard like that's the you can think it's easy it ain't easy that thing is it's heavy and they work they work hard with that Mm. It's, a cool, it's a cool apparatus though so have you how have you kept yourself in shape to do what it is you do have you always had a a, a training regimen that you sort of took away from your days as a football player and stuff yeah well stuff i learned from you i learned from when i was strength and conditioning coaches in the states too plus i got into like i actually took fitness course like nutrition courses fitness courses and everything because for me it's all about diet because I'm normally a, a pretty bigger guy. Like now I'm just getting back into shape because I'm actually was able in the last four months, I've been able to lift weights. I was mm. giving you okay to lift weights. So I'm trying to get back into shape, but it's for me, it's all diet. Mm. Like times I double Jake Gyllenhaal, he's like 175 pounds. So I got to get leaned out like him. Dominic's the big dude, you know, like, so I have to get gain muscle for him. I doubled Arnold. I had to gain some weight for him and stuff. And so just, you doubled Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Well, he, <laughs> <laughs> He's got a personal double, like, but he uh, we did a movie called The Sixth Day that he that it was clones. So he had he had that two guys. So I got the double. I got to be his double in that movie. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> so what's uh, what's the injury you're recovering from now that you took you out for a while? Um, I work on a Shazam. I, I uh, separated my AC joint and I mm. tore my rotator cuff and biceps. Oh wow! That uh, was just... one of those. I don't know if they, well, you watched my reel yesterday, like when I go through, go through that big window, the first guy through that window, the first mm-hmm. take I did that, uh, the effects, the knockers didn't fire. So basically my head and shoulder hit, hit, hit the tempered glass. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually broke the tempered glass. And I, when I woke up, I didn't know where I was. I'm like, what happened? Like, you know, so they told me what happened. And 10 minutes later, I had to do it again. <laughs> but wow. I didn't hurt. So- I, had to, I had to get the shot. I had to get the shot. So I did it. I actually did it totally five five times so and then finally they said uh, they, they said okay you, you can get wrapped and go to the hospital <laughs> so normally when somebody runs through a glass window like that there's something that blows up the glass and then it just as you're about to hit it is that yes yeah, okay. it's called they're, they're called knockers they're okay. a little, little little explosion thing and the special effects guys close by uh, on a remote he, he de- like uh, with a perfect visual he'll detonate it but yeah. he, he had his I did the same gentleman on Suicide Squad. I did one like on that, and he was bang on, and he was bang on. He hit the button, but stalkers just didn't fire. It's one of those things. 
Wow. Walk, walk me through the process of a stunt. Like how does it, you, obviously somebody has a vision and then they go to the, the stunt coordinator and say, well, this is what we want to do. And, and how does it flow? Like, I'm really it, curious. Well, it, it all starts with the, well, with the script, whoever, right. whoever writes a screenplay or the movie or whatever. And it's, it's all, it's all written down there. Something happens like a fight sequence and then they grapple and fall through a skylight, just like on a white house down. So it's like, okay, you write that down. So, okay, how many, what it is. Okay. The fight sequence. So you, the fight coordinator will set up the fight, how it is. And then the special effects will set up the, going through the tempered glass, the knockers or whatever it take, takes place. And the stunt coordinator will, will basically chore, choreograph the whole, the whole thing, how it's going to happen. And then certain time, and then we have, sometimes you're involved with riggers too. So if you're on a cable, they'll have stunt, stunt performers that are actually also the riggers that set you up on the cable and let, let you go like, or, or on a ratchet. It's all, it's, 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 a, good, it's a long process. And mm-hmm. basically in pre-production, when, when everything, when they read the script and the stunt corner is hired, he breaks down, he breaks down everything, how many mandates he needs, how, how many people he needs. And it's all set up before you go to camera. So basically you, mm-hmm. you know exactly where you go. And also a lot of times there's storyboards too. So the storyboards will be written, written and done. So you actually just, you visually, you see, okay, this is what's going to happen. Okay. Set the fight up. Let's set the thing up and, and go ahead and let's rehearse the stunt or figure out what we got to do. So what it's happens all. if you smash this tempered glass and fall through it and the director doesn't like the cut, they go and reset it all up again and do yeah. it. Redo it, do it get another window and do it all over again. Wow. Fascinating. Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> incredible. It's just, and then incredible Hulk. But this is a funny story. Like if this on the behind the scenes too, like you hear Lou, Lou Latourney was the director of that. He did a lot of transporter movies too. And then, so I got, I, the Hulk chokes me and another stunt guy out and, and he, he, he basically kills him and kills me. He throws me against the I got thrown against the wall, and so I, we did it two times. It was great, but t- Tim Roth goes, "I want to do another take because my I I didn't like how I looked in the certain take, you know." And then you could hear him talking. I'm just sitting there, you know, like I'm I just I like call myself a dope on a rope, and uh, <laughs> and, and uh, so you hear the stunt quarter and Louis goes, "Well, I have it. I, it looks perfect." It was, Tim goes, "I just need another take," and then uh, they asked. The stunt corner. You, you think Johnny Mac would do another one? Go. Well, he'll do another. He'll hit the wall till I tell him. But why? Why do we need to do it again? Tim. He goes. And then he said to Tim. He goes. Well, do you want to do that again? And Tim goes. No. Well, he doesn't either. <laughs> <laughs> and I ended up doing it again because Tim. Just because he was such a nice guy. He was like, Yeah, sure, no problems. It's, you know, like actually on that take too. A lot of times, another movie magic. So you, oh, you went right into a wall. A lot of times, set set deck who were who were these these men and women are amazing. They build a they build a wall, but it's high dense high dense foam. It's like mm-hmm. an inch two inch thick. It looks like a real wall, but it takes a lot of the oomph out. That's what that was going into. It was just it was like it was going through like a padded thing, you know. Plus, mm-hmm. I have my my back pad and stuff on. Anyways, you don't feel it. You know, at the time, you sometimes at night you, you, you feel it. You know, feel like it now that you're fifty. So. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> the body ain't the same as it used to be, right? <laughs> well, how has the it. how has the industry changed in a lot? Like, obviously, with CGE and different things, there are a lot of. Oh I'm sure it's changed your industry a lot. Um, and how have you adapted? How have you had to adapt, or how has it changed the way you do your work? Oh my God, the industry's changed like so much. When I first got into it, it was basically everything was almost done. Pra- everything was practical. 
Mm. You know, like, go do this. Yeah, you come come out that window and you land on the box rig or the airbag or everything. Everything was practical. Now, even a lot of times you see an explosion because like, the CGI is so amazing now. You see an explosion. It's, it's all done in steps. Like, mm. you, you, you basically do the explosion. You don't even have the stunt guy or it's a lot of times with the actor in there. Just do the explosion, then do a plate shot beforehand plate shot is just take with the camera rolling for a couple minutes and you establish what it is then put the actor in there reacting to something in, in front of a green screen then practical explode it put it all together bang there you go it's all safe mm-hmm. it's, it's, cheap, it's cheaper for production and it's a lot safer mm-hmm. you know it sucks for sucks for guys like me and women like and, and also the stunt women you know because takes it cuts down our work it also cuts down we have a thing called the stunt adjustment the danger of the stunt get paid accordingly right right add it, add it to your day mm. but it's all safe even now like coming coming out of a window a lot of times you you, you do that jumping through a window or whatever and then into, into into landing maybe not even 10 feet into into a box rig or even or a porta pit and then afterwards put you on a cable lift you up and, and drop you and sometimes you don't even hit the ground then you then you do the pickup of you hitting the ground it's all safe it's safer that way cost production less money and Less injuries, yeah. And for less, sure. less, less deaths because sometimes people die on set. Wow. What's um, what's happened the last few years for you? You you mentioned before that you you were off because of injury. Like how obviously with the pandemic, the film industry has been affected a lot too. How is how has your life been the last two years? Has it been challenging? Uh, what what is what have you been going through? <laughs> Yeah, going through I've been like a lot of people, just a little little bit of depression here and there and just, just dealing with stuff. Like I'm talking to someone now just to get mentally to get myself better and things. And yeah, I went through I actually went through a funk because I couldn't train, I couldn't do anything. It just mm-hmm. took a toll on me. Mm-hmm. Now I'm better. Actually, I took a job and I'm gonna I'm working on a show next week and I still haven't got my surgeon to clear me, but I, I took the job <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so I'm working on the nineteenth and I go to see him on the eighteenth. So I'll talk him into it. He's a really good guy. He's a He's he he deals with athletes. He deals with the like he was in the bubble when the NHL was in the bubble, like the, the in the West and the East. He was one of those surgeons in that bubble. Like he, he deals with athletes all the time, so that's why I was referred to him. And he he's, he's like I saw I saw him. He took care of me. Like he actually went in there and cleaned up a lot of scar tissue too, which helped me out a lot. Mm. So he'll he'll clear me. It's been it's gonna be, it's gonna be six months. Enough's enough, right? Since my surgery, the last surgery, I want to get mm. back to work. How did having how did having kids change your mindset or your 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 work or your life in some sense? I mean, it changes all of our lives, but I'm kind of curious how how it affected you and in the industry that you're in. Quick break here, and we'll be back in a couple of seconds with our podcast guest. I've often been asked, how do I do what you do? What books or courses should I take? And for a long time, I had no real answer to that question. Delivering the concepts and practices we now call reconditioning was this compilation of so many ideas, concepts, methods, and strategies. But seven years ago, Jamie and I set out to answer that very question by creating one systematic process that would help you bring it all together and supercharge the skills and systems you already know. You see, reconditioning is not 
not about excluding anything. No, it's about being inclusive, holistic, proactive, and curious. It's about having an operating system that grows with you and supports you in your human performance practice. We want you to be the reconditioning professional everyone wants to work with so you can determine your value and explore the possibilities of success. For more information about becoming a reconditioning professional today, head over to www.reconditioninghq.com and download the free video explaining our powerful 5Rs practice for improving mobility. A new era of performance training is upon us. Maximize your isometric endurance, strength, and functional performance with the all-new Isofit MSK. No matter what your sport, Isofit will help best prepare your body to tolerate the forces associated with it. This not only reduces your chances of sustaining career-limiting injury, it will also enhance your ability to perform at your highest level. I really like what Brad Thorpe and Isofit are doing, and I encourage you to learn more about their mission by visiting www.isofit.com. Isofit, that's Isofit with a PH, MSK.ca. So Isofit MSK.ca today. And remember to use the discount code Leave Your Mark, three separate words to save $500 off your Isofit MSK purchase. Matrix Fitness is about performance innovation, and I'm proud to have them with me on the Leave Your Mark podcast. They recently named my good friend and awesome performance coach, Mark Fitzgerald, as their head of performance team, which is a bold statement for anyone who wants to know they're working with the best. Matrix has all kinds of interesting lines of equipment. The Matrix Glute Trainer addresses the discomfort, inefficiency, and danger of working with loaded barbell during hip thrusts. The Matrix Glute Trainer accommodates resistant bands and weight resistance and is customizable to different body types and sizes endorsed by many and comes at a cost below others on the market the matrix s drive is a sprint performance treadmill that supports sprint training resisted sled pulls and pushes all on the frame of a standard treadmill the seven feet by three foot footprint of the S-Drive is non-motorized and is perfect for coaches who do not have access to a track or want to provide coaching in real time with the athlete. The non-motorized feature and flexibility in a simple machine keeps benefits high and investment low. For more information or a free consult, go to teamupwithmatrix.com forward slash CA today. We're back. Enjoy the rest of this podcast. Oh, made my life a hundred percent better. Having having two amazing kids, like they're they're, they're great. Um, I love being a dad and change my like certain people. Like, oh, you're going to turn that certain stunt down? Like, I was I was offered even a show, but I couldn't do it anyways. A, a, a fire burn, like a full burn. I was like, no, I'm not. I, I'm not doing that. Just, you know, to get hire the guys that are better at it than me. Like, it's too much stuff can go wrong. Even now with the with the stun gels that you put on you now, you can do a, you can do a full burn on your skin. You don't even get affected with it now. It's, it's stuff's come around so much, but wow. certain things I'll certain things I won't do. Like I, well, I'm not a best high fall guy anyways, but I won't do it. Like I, I don't feel comfortable more than seven stories anyways, but I'll still turn it down now. So just I don't feel comfortable more than seven stories. Yeah. That one. <laughs> well, no, it just it's just a scare. It's, it's a weird feeling. Like when you you look you look up at something, you get up there like holy cow. Like my first fall, my first fall, I was living in working in Vancouver, and I was supposed to just do it like a tent coming out of a window. Like the director was, oh, I wanted to come from up there. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> but it was, it was, it was only forty feet. Then the, the <laughs> director goes, uh, he goes, well, how many of these have you done? I go, including today, sir. He goes, yeah. I go, this will be, be my first one. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so where did, how did you learn to drive? Uh, like I saw that scene uh, from White House down, the, the car ripping around in the front of the White House. Is that you driving the car at that point? Or? The, the limousine, yeah. The, the yeah, color yeah. beast, yeah, I was driving yeah. that. Okay. Yeah, and how did you learn to do that? Just practice, practice, practice. And like, a, like, like I said, renting cars. And plus now... I have a really good friend here in Toronto that has he has his own slide car, so he and he's a great driver. He takes me go to rent, go to a track, rent the track, so it's it's all closed off and it's all safe and everything, and go out there and learn and just practice mm-hmm. the feel of the feel of it. Like on the White House down, like I didn't even know, like I read the script, but I didn't really really realize what the car is going to look like. And it was it was made uh, it was made in LA. They made three of them in LA, and they shipped it up. And I saw this thing, I was like, holy crap this thing's big and then you get in there like you have blind spots everywhere they, they, they don't think about the guy has to, who has to drive it never they don't they don't think about stuff like that then they, plus the windows are all shut up so they have it all, all it's like basically you're looking at a little little thing while you're driving they just they don't think of they don't think of us <laughs> oh he's a stunt guy he can do it you know but i was that was three weeks of sure in the hot seat which is you like to call the hot seat like you're the lead guy sometimes it's it's great and sometimes you're like oh shit man i just want i just want to be the back let someone else do this today you know because but it's our job right right and i also i also knew the stunt corner who's amazing i worked for all the time one of my favorite stunt corners john stoneham jr i also knew if i couldn't get the job he'll pull me out of the car in a heartbeat hmm. you know you got to get the job done and he had a lot of good got really good drivers around so i just so that's why i came to work every day i'm on i'm on the ball and you know and i want to prove i can do this it's a lot like being on a football team in some ways. You either play the position and do do the job well, or you're somebody else is going to take your position, right? You're on, you're on the bench. You're sitting there. I've been I've been on set that they pull, they pull the guy out of the car. You do it. I'm like, ah, oh, you feel so bad for a person. But meanwhile, you have the producer over there yelling, the director freaking out. You got to get the shot because it's all yeah. about money. it's all about money. Just like now, the pandemic. I just went for a COVID test tomorrow. I'm going to go for another one uh, yesterday. Sorry. And I'm going to go for another one tomorrow. Cause every second, every second day you got to be, you got to test for COVID. Everybody in the crew has got to get in, get in the loop and do it because, you know, and production now it's part of the budget. They have mm-hmm. the, they bring their own nurses, lab technicians in, they have their own lab, they rent the laboratories and test everybody. Right. It's, part, it's part of the budget now. Wow. Cause they can't get, they can't get insurance for production. Can't get insurance for a t- pandemic. Right. So they got to make sure because if they shut down again, it's all about money. They shut down; they they're, they're at a lot of money. So, so is the industry starting to sort of ratchet back up to what it was pre-pandemic? Now, oh god, it's been it's it's it, it's been. We were shut down for the first lockdown for maybe three or four months, and ever since that, they're they're back. They're mm. they're rolling. Just managing with all the testing and everything else, right? Yeah, yeah, and then and now, well, at least here they can mandate that you you have to have your you have to have your vaccines. But in the states, like Netflix already put out, if you're not vaccinated, you're not on our set. Like they're already mm. doing that in the states. Mm. But here, like, obviously, I don't think they, they can do that in Canada. I don't know. But is I it, is is, there, is what you're doing something you want to do for? Till you retire, or is it? You know, like- well, I'm, I want to be in this business till, till like retire, but I'm getting into. I'm getting into. Stunt, I want to start coordinating. You know, being mm. the stunt coordinator. You know, because I've been I've been years, and people have been saying you should get into it. You should get into it. You should get into it. And I I, I worked on so many shows that the coordinators like I'm gonna I'm rap, he wraps himself or herself, and I I run the set. You know, because I mm. I have a lot of experience. Plus, I get along with 
directors were really well. They got along with producers, the actors, like from doubling them, we've always become really close, you know, because I, I know how to deal with an actor, like not saying they have the egos, but Hey, it's all about their character and them looking good. Right. Mm-hmm. So for me as a stunt man, when I'm going to work, if, even if I'm not doubling somebody, I check, you have to check your ego at the door. It's not about mm-hmm. you. It's about getting a shot or making the actor look good. It's, that's all it's about. And mm-hmm. being professional on set. Yeah. Tell me, tell me a little bit about that. So you get a role like you did with Dom on prison break. So, you know, how does that work? You, you get the job and then you meet this guy and, and now you sort of develop a relationship of, you know, you're, you've got his back and you're, and, and tell me a little bit about that, how that works. Like, well, like well Dom, he always, he always requests me to be his mm-hmm. double because okay. we've been, we've been together for so long, but most of the times, like say, I'm just going to, going to meet the actor. I just go, nice to meet you. I'm just myself. And I just, I just, I always step away till we have to, if, unless we have to be on set to work, but I always let them come to me, you know, like I'll be there. Like I doubled Stallone, Sylvester mm-hmm. Stallone and man's genius, but I'm on, I'm on set. And, 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 and the first day on set, nobody flew. I was living in Vancouver time. They flew me in to Toronto to meet him. He had to prove of me doubling him. And then once he approved of me, I stayed not that they're going to put me on a plane, and send me back home right away. But uh, with him, I met him. He approved of me. Then the next day I, I go to work and, He's taking a squib, getting shot. Mm. And the stunt corner is trying to micromanage him and everything. And I walk to the corner. I'm like, hey, dude, that's sliced alone. Uh, I, I think he knows how to take a squib. He's friggin' Rambo. <laughs> you know, like, I think he knows how to take a shot. You know? So I just, I just stood there and he looks at me. He goes, like I said, uh, how you going to take it, sir? sir? And he just said, oh, I'm going to take it this way. And I land here. I go, well, please, you want some, you want some pads? I got, I got that. Uh, you time with actors, I always go buy them new pads. They're not going to wear my stuff because, you know, I wear sweating at the during the it. And he looked at me, he goes, I don't want these new things. I want the things you wore. Like, I go, it's just like fake blood on it. And he goes, that's a real stunt man's pad. So I put it, I just put it, literally put an elbow pad and knee pad and he took it and hit, hit, hit the ground. No problem. Take one take, go home, you know? Awesome. But yeah, I let, but I let them come to me. I don't want to get in their face. So mm-hmm. just, and then the rapport builds up once, and also once they see you and trust you, and they check. You're like we have a thing called IMDb Internet, Internet Movie Database. They they go, they go in there right away and check out your resume right away. Everybody does. I do mm-hmm. too. When I'm going to work, I don't know somebody. I check out their resume. Hmm. Even the stunt coordinator calls me. Hey, we need you to drop it. And I like I look like wow, you got no resume. Like how come I'm working for you? <laughs> but I still take the job unless you want to, right? I'm interested, uh, not because um, I'm interested in the star power, more interested in just the, you know, the relational dynamics and what you felt at the time. But, you know, for me working in the National Hockey League, I I was never really somebody who was awestruck, but there were a couple of times where I met people. uh, I had a chance to meet Mario Lemieux. I worked with Doug Doug Gilmore and, you know, Mark Messier when I was in New York and stuff, there were these special moments, you know, what, what have been those for you, the special moments of interaction with, with a particular actor? I mean, you met, you obviously met Sly and, and Arnold and these things. What what were those moments like? Well, when I first met those two particular gentlemen, I was like, I was nervous. I was Mm. like, you know, like not, not as shaking, but you feel the butterflies. Like, Oh my God, this is so, so, and then, they make you feel at ease. Mm. They're such 
they're all such nice people. They make you feel at ease. Even Arnold, Arnold looks at me, he goes, he goes, so, so you're going to be my double? Like, you know, cause I bet Billy Lucas, <laughs> Billy Lucas is his personal stunt double. Like, okay. like you know, and then I said, and he goes, oh, you're going to have to shave your head because, because Arnold is one of those that you're doubling him. Basically you have, a, they make a prosthetic of him. They glue it to your face and they shave because he has a receding hairline. So I had to mm-hmm. shave my head to here and, because they want to shoot you head on. He goes, he goes, I don't want the camera angles. He goes, he goes, I want you to look like me. So it looks like me doing it. Like he's right. like, he's super honest. And he was like, I, it's not, I know it's not me, but I want it to look like it's me. Right. You know, cause he was, he was older. He just came off. Uh, he had a heart surgery a couple months before he wasn't going to do anything, any action kind of thing. Right. So, but like all of them, like Stallone too, same thing. You know, he doesn't mind doing his own thing. And, you know, but what, if he doesn't have to do it, why would he do it? You know, just like Channing, I talked to him and he Channing wanted to do everything, everything. He wanted to do everything. And I, I just literally, once I got to know him really well, I go, hey, dude, you know, there's a thing called a stunt adjustment. He goes, what's that? I go, if difficulty to stunt a dangerous stunt, I get paid extra during the day. So I get a <laughs> stunt adjustment. He's like, what? I go, so basically you're cutting into my money, man. <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're making your millions. You're cutting into my, you know. So he actually said, he goes, all right, so you do, you do the first couple takes or first take and I'll do that one. I'm like, perfect. Done. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. A lot of times, I watch, you watch the movie. I'm like, I don't even know because we've done the same thing. I'm like, was that me or him? Because I look just like him on camera. It was crazy. It's just we don't look like each other, like standing next to each other, totally. But on camera, even Roland Emmerich, who's got an eye for everything, he goes, "I can't tell which take was that Channing or Johnny's take. Couldn't tell." Wow. Yeah, so it works out well. We have a good double that can perform, but that looks like the actor, right? So that helps mm-hmm. a lot. You mentioned performance. Are you like you have you done some acting engagements at the same time in some sense or roles yeah. that you've played? Yeah. Yeah, I've had a few acting roles. I took like just um when I was in Montreal, I'm sorry, Vancouver, my mentor said, Hey, goes, you know, it's a good thing, like a lot of stunt guys can't act, or there's some guys who feel do you look stiff on camera, some people and mm-hmm. stuff? He goes, You should take some acting classes to help yourself and give you comfort and, and learning how to do certain things. Plus, I did scene studying classes too, like read the scene, you break it down to learn what's going on and stuff. I took a lot of those. And yeah, I've had a lot of acting, really good acting roles because I'm known as a good act, not a good actor, but a good stunt man that can actually also act also. So you have the thing called stunt acting roles. So you actually have lines, you play characters. Like, gosh, when Don- we're in Morocco, Dominic almost, Brazil, he should have died on set. He had was a horrific accident on set. A 250-pound beam crushed his head and, and right to the ground. Like, it was awful. And the doctor who fixed him up, he was out of the hospital in a week. It's crazy. The doctor that fixed him up, he said if he didn't have such a strong strong neck and a, and a thick skull, because he's thick-headed, now, <laughs> he, he actually would have been paralyzed and died. It was crazy. Wow. Like, like, literally, he looks at me, he goes, how bad is it? I'm like, dude, I literally, I could, I could see his skull. It was, I thought I lost one of my close friends. I was so, I was actually, had te- I was tearing up, and, but he was, he was fine and everything, but going into the acting. So once he was, they, they uh, flew him to Casablanca to, to have surgery right away. The next day I went, I went to work because production doesn't stop for anything, mm-hmm. you know, like it was more, Oh my God, he's okay. But he found out he's okay. So you know, go back to work the next day. He said, okay, now you're going to do all Dominic's lines. I'm like, excuse me. I'm what? Like, I don't, you guys, like the first scene was him and Wentworth, Michael Schofield, Wentworth, Mindrow played him. They have a big dialogue when something's happening. I'm like, is this like three pages of dialogue? 
yeah, you got, when are we doing it? Well, we're lit, ready to go now. I'm like, I don't know. My, I'll, I'll, so I'll cheat, I'll hold the slides here. I'll, and he goes, no, you have to, you're being him. We're filming you head on like you are Dom over your shoulder. You're getting your close-ups and everything. Then once Dom's back, we're going to put him in front of a green screen and get all his stuff. But you're still going to play the, the, all the scenes for the next week and a half being Lincoln Burroughs. Wow. So I was like, holy cow. So, but I did, I pulled it off. I learned my lines for every day. Like I'd go back, we go back to the hotel, like the resort. And it was like, oh, we're, we're going to go by the pool. I'm like, I'm going to my room and learn my lines. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like that's, you see what it was. Like, you know, like everyone's like, oh, you're in Morocco. is such a beautiful location, which it was, but we're working like dogs all day. And you go, you go back to the hotel, like on the way fast up, you grab a beer and go to your room and just, you chill the rest of Like you just going to, you gotta go to sleep. Gotta get up early the next morning. Right. Yeah, that's crazy. I, I, I learned my lines. I did a good job. And even had, I had uh, the camera crews were, were all on in Morocco. They're all from England. They all did the Harry Potter movies and everything, Star Wars stuff. And they were saying, you can act. I'm like, really? I was getting real. They were, they were telling me, I was, you're doing a good job. The DOP, director of photography, said you're doing a good job. So now I feel very confident of acting. That's cool. Good for yeah. you. I'm going to read uh, your thing. Uh, I have this book called The Day You Were Born. It's a mix of astrology and numerology. This woman I ended, ended up interviewing from New York City wrote, uh, I found my personal purpose in it. So it was uh, very cool. So I read it to everybody. Sometimes it resonates. Sometimes it doesn't. <clears throat> you are a Leo too, born August 2nd. Your purpose is to use your imagination, sensitivity, and wounds as strengths, to not be lured by the spotlight or discouraged by rejection, to determine your own creative and independent style, which you generously share with others, giving them the courage to expose their weaknesses and use them as strengths. Challenging the established rules is necessary to awaken our creativity. Roger Van Oek. The uniqueness of the moon gets support from the relentless will of the sun. Leo 2s are hot stuff, and they know it. More flexible than other Leos, they are also persistent, creative, and competitive. Leo 2s are hard to reach emotionally. They're loners who know how to use their strengths and weaknesses as means to an end. Struggling between childish insecurities and mature and courageous actions, their goal is to be responsible for themselves and to have the faith to take risks. Their charisma is powerful and others will be attracted to them. Since the moon represents the family, the Leo is our desire to succeed. There could be a conflict between having a family and pursuing a career. The Leo 2's instincts are highly tuned, and if they listen to them, they'll know when to ask for a raise and when it's time to retire. When Leo and the two work together, everything is just right. However, more often than not, these two very powerful forces make life either too competitive and demanding or too isolated and self-absorbed. The two is able to head... Heal through the experience and understanding of pain. The Leo 2s can use their feelings of rejection and their desire for recognition in a way that will bring peace they can share. That's cool. What's the book called again? Sorry? It's called The Day You Were Born. It was written by an astrologer, but she combined astrology with numerology, and her name is Linda Joyce. But the, Linda Joyce, cool. <laughs> the day you were born. I'm going to try to write that down and uh, 
get yeah, I can send you the link it. too, but uh, yeah, do that, the, the, the reason I, I, I actually found it, I've told the story many times in the podcast, but I was, uh, after my second divorce, I was kind of wondering about life and stuff. And I always liked astrology. So I picked up this book in the New York bookstore <clears throat> and I used to have the saying taped to the top of my desktop. When I was at Concordia, actually, it said, some men see things as they are and ask why I dream things that never were and say, why not? And so it was on my desktop all through Concordia days. And then I went to New York and that's where I found the book and I go and pull up the thing and I, and each one has your purpose. And then it has a quote, like I read to you. So I heard the purpose thing and I'm like, wow, that's real. That resonates a lot. And then I wrote my, the quote was some men see things as they are and say, why I dream things that never were and say, why not? And I'm like, okay, that's a little too weary. So then I read on <laughs> and it was pretty cool. And nine times out of 10, when I read it, people are kind of like, wow, that's a, uh, you know, were you, you, were you were you reading directly about my life or what happened? Yeah, no, it's you hit a lot of a lot of spots there too. Like even my insecurities. I mean, a very like insecure person, like certain things, right? So mm. us, that was bang on. Yeah, I'll send I'll send it to you. Um, do you still keep in touch with a lot of the people from back in the day at Concordia, like the Luke Pellons and these guys, or not? Well, well, actually, Luke lived with me for a bit, and when he was out of Vancouver. He, okay. he, he came he came out to Vancouver to to uh, actually to get into the film industry and stuff and uh, he I, I actually got him on set a few times to hooked him up with uh, like stunt coordinators you go into SSC work these special skills extra work I, like I coordinated I was coordinating a, a, a small movie out there he came and helped me out on set and I met then he was you know like looking for somewhere to live and I had a, I had a two, I had a two bedroom place with pressure me man like it's easy you know so I actually a, a, a friend of mine named Kim he had a he was from Montreal that he had a security company, which is still going on now. So he actually gave Luke a job, gave him a, gave him a car and he was just to go check in on certain things over here. And then Luke was, he was doing well. He had a lot of friends out there, but he, he just couldn't make of it or like where he wanted to be. And he goes, I was going to go back to Montreal. Now he's, he's teaching at his old high school now and everybody, mm-hmm. every so often I'll send him a message on my, on, from Facebook or something. And I plan on going out there, I was going to go in August, but I'm going to go in September. I'm going to head up to Montreal. I want to go uh, watch a Vanier game and go see Coach Chris Mouts. He coaches a Vanier and try to mm-hmm. do it, go to a Kanye game. And I'll hook up a chess, Luke, you know, a few people, all my all my my high school buddies. So I'll hook up with those guys. Yeah, every once in a while. Like chess mm-hmm. and more chess. But uh, Luke, I haven't heard from him in a while because I think he owes me money, so he's avoiding me. <laughs> <laughs> So to sort of um, wrap up here, I'm kind of curious, like um, it's your industry, like many industries um, where there's, you know, there's a persistence, there's a talent, there's an energy. What are, what are your secrets of success in the sense that uh, I'm creating longevity that have allowed you to, to have a career in it rather than like to struggle, like maybe Luke did or other people do sometimes or be in and out of it. What do you, what do you attribute that to? Luke didn't struggle. He just wanted to get into acting more than he just mm. didn't pan out. But I don't know. This is like football. I didn't give up. Mm. Like everyone's saying, like you're. Like, I'm only just over six foot. How are you going to play? How are you going to play football in the states? Like you're not big enough. I'm like, well, I'll get big enough. Like, uh, like I don't have to play linebacker in the states. Which <laughs> even when I went to a small school, I got down there. I went to the weight room and I'm like, holy cow, I'm going to size these guys. And like, <laughs> the the state strength coach goes, "Those are the wide receivers." I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they put they put me a strong safety which is perfect for me you know yeah. got to play the bd8 guy in the box but i just didn't don't give up and with stunts i just said okay how am i gonna do this i made it okay here's my goals 
did it like a business. Mike Dopet, him and I were living at the time. He taught me what he's doing for acting. He says, this is what's okay. I have a goal. What am I going to do? Boom, boom, boom. I'm going to go train. I'm going to go do certain things, learn to drive, go literally go to a, in a pool off the 10 meter platform, jumping off the, off there just to get air sense, how your body's in the air, you know, mm-hmm. like just, I said, I'm not giving up. And then once people found out I was a decent athlete and I didn't, I don't care about doing certain things. It was like, Oh yeah, well, I'll go do that. Sure. No problem. Like, it's like me and a name for myself, I actually made a name for myself. You know, the mad, all the Madden video games. Mm-hmm. I was one of the, I was one of the mocap guys doing all, all the big, big hard hits in full football equipment. <laughs> <laughs> like like I did with John Ulmer, who was a stunt guy who played for the BC Lions. Tommy Europe was doing it with me. So I, like Jamal Anderson would come and guest star and he was a running back doing his moves. I met Terrell Owens. Like he had, had to be the cornerback covering Terrell Owens off, off the line. But we did some big hits, you know. So I, I got known like, okay, he can hit the ground and he doesn't mind hitting. So that's why I mean, you just make a name for yourself. And once you do it, just keep doing it and 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 being going to work and knowing it's not about me. I'm just mm-hmm. going there to do my job, to be polite and, 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 and to be able to go home afterwards, not, not hurt. And to, right. but just, just because a lot of, I teach, I'm trying to teach a lot of the new stunt guys, man, you could be, I could be replaced within a millisecond, any single day. Mm. You know, we're, especially I'm a, we're a diamond dozen, right? So you do, you do a bad job. You have a bad day, but you're, you're an asshole. You're, you're rude to people. You're just, you're done. You know, you just gotta be a nice guy. If you have fun, mm. You know, like you just enjoy yourself. Like, like I said, I go on set. I know everybody. I talk to everybody. They're like, "Hey, Johnny Max back." You know, like you know stuff like that. It's fun. It's you're you're there. To, you're, I'm there to play. So basically, what I'm doing to be safe. I'm just. I'm, it's like I'm like I said to people. I'm being playing cowboys and robbers, man. Cowboys and Indians, like whatever you want to call it. Cops and robbers. That's what I'm doing for. That's what I'm doing for a living. I get to wear somebody else. I get to wear somebody else's clothes and then have some fun. You know, and they always dress you in nice clothes too. It's hilarious. Like with Stallone, was double him. He has he has a deal with Hugo Boss and certain things that he, he, we had these these Gucci shoes that we had to we had to wear. I'm like these are the most un- uncomfortable things. How am I supposed to run and I had to run in the big explosion scene? How am I going to? He goes, I don't care that they're paying. Put it in the show. You got to wear it. You know, like it just it's crazy what they do. I'm like you're not going to see my feet, you know, kind of thing. But got it, you know. <laughs> but no, like I said, it's, it's, I'm just very lucky. I just. I persevered. I lucked. I, like I lucked out. A lot of it is luck, and 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 knowing the right people too, that mm. be, that believe in me, that mm. believed in me, so it gave me a chance to do it. You what's just need the, that chance. What's the you know gift you hope to give to your children as you go forward? What do you hope your influences on them in their lives? Oh gosh, I just. I just want them to know that and feel that they're loved, really, and then mm-hmm. and to, to know that their dad, no matter what, will always have their back forever. I'll always do, I'll do anything for my children, ever anything, you know. And then mm-hmm. unconditional love. It's that's that's it's that simple. Like I'll, and I know when they look at me, even though my like they're like they're twelve going into thirteen. My daughter is twelve going on seventeen. Like she's she's a mature young lady. Like she's just oh my god, you're not a kid anymore like it's like oh my god you know you know and she likes to hang out with her mom a lot now which is fine by me because you know like the stuff but but, but I, when they look at me i know they love me. it's mm. you know it's awesome. you get that feeling yeah it's, i'm lucky to be a dad it's my favorite yeah. thing in the world is being a dad 
Mine just turned 13, so I'm into the... Oh, you know, there's exactly... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> November 3rd, they turned 13. It's like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> my, son just, my son just broke his uh, cobalt toes a couple weeks ago, so he's he's got one of those walking boots on. He's But he's still on the trampoline, having fun. <laughs> yeah, yours are fraternal twins, correct, you said? Yes. Yeah, okay, cool. Wow. How's how's that as fraternal? Are they, you know, like, frick and frack as, as brother and sister, or are they uh, uh, on each other? Oh my God! They know how to push each other's buttons. It's like, <laughs> and my son's like he's a, he's a mini me. He's like he, he, you look at him like oh my God! Like now well, I shave my head because of Dom, and now so now I'm too lazy to so I, I shave my head every, almost every day. But he's just mini me. He's everything about him is me. It's just crazy. And my daughter looks like like a bit of her mom, but my dad. She's blonde and but just like but they know how to push each other's buttons. Oh God! It's funny. It's, it's like okay, someone go downstairs and someone go upstairs. I have had enough now. <laughs> No, but it's nice though. Johnny, it was really nice to reconnect with you. I hope we see each other when you're back in Montreal. And uh, for sure, I'll give you a shout when I come. I don't know if you'll be busy or not, but if you're not, maybe we go to a football game or Kanye game together. Do something together. Like I'm gonna hit up chess. I'm gonna hit up everybody when I get back. Awesome. Well, it's cool to learn your story. Thanks Thanks, for coming on. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And I still want one of those hats. Okay, buddy. I'll get you. Thank you. Thank you too. Bye. Thanks for joining us today on Leave Your Mark. I hope we've left a mark on you today, and we wish only that you pay it forward by sharing this story, taking the time to rate and comment on this podcast. Please follow us at Twitter at Built by Scott and Instagram at King O'Pain, and become a member of this community at Scott G. Livingston on Facebook. Have a great day. Music by Cedric de Saint-Rome.